How do you know that you're burning out? It's it's this weird depression comes over me where I just feel this numbness taking over. It's just like an indifference where I can't reach an emotional piece of me that feels anything at all. It just feels like numbness. You're listening to Infernal Communication, brought to you by Staffbase. I'm your host, Kyla Sims. Let's start with a question. A question that you've probably already answered at least three times today. A question that we ask absentmindedly without ever really listening to the answer. How are you? We know people are struggling. And we have data that people in the comms industry are struggling in measurable ways. If you follow this podcast, you may remember from our episode about going viral that I am a passionate mental health advocate. But the truth is, the mental health conversation really ticks me off. Most quote-unquote conversations about mental health are chock full of pointless platitudes and unhelpful advice that show just how deeply misunderstood this issue is. The reality of the mental health crisis is so much more complicated than any of us can really wrap our head around. We can self-care all we want, but that's not going to change the rising cost of living or how the social media tools we use are designed to fuel outrage and get us addicted to hating ourselves and each other. Self-care isn't going to dismantle systemic oppression or stop war or climate change. Our systems are failing. There's an obvious and tragic lack of mental health care education and access. Mental health care is expensive and not usually covered by even socialized healthcare systems. Wait lists for low-cost counselors can be years long. Okay, now that I'm done ruining your day, the point I'm trying to make is that if you're struggling, that's not all on you. It's actually a perfectly reasonable and warranted response to the state of our world. And I know there are a lot of you out there who are struggling. A recent study from the Center for Strategic Communication Excellence showed that 48% of PR and comms professionals have considered leaving the profession due to the strain it's put on their mental health. Does that sound like you? If it does, I want you to know that in this episode, we're not going to tell you to just start meditating and go for walks on your lunch breaks. Instead, we're going to ask, how do you really feel? And we're going to hold space for the stories and struggles that our brave guests are going to share. Because one of the most helpful, but also annoying things about mental health is that you can't get better unless you talk about it. So today, we've got two brave communicators who agreed to let us share their stories for this episode. I think their stories are really going to resonate with you and might just help you feel a little less alone in your struggle. You're in Canada, right? I'm in Canada. I'm in Vancouver, which is fine. <laughs> it's like still dark out. Oh. First, we'll be talking to Haley Brulette 
I'm the senior communications manager at a company called Huddle. We're a software company based out of Lincoln, Nebraska, and we build software for sports teams, major league sports teams, all the way down to your micro soccer, um, your kids that are just getting started. Made my way into the communications role as the company scaled and grew. I got my degree in textiles. So naturally moving into communications at a sports software company, you know, <laughs> what a pivot. made a lot of sense. Yeah. So you've been at Huddle for nine years, which is a long time. Mm-hmm. Over that time, has the amount of stress you have encountered at work changed? The type of stress has changed. When I was in support, that was a whole different type of stress. You know, when you're you're on the phone with a coach and their product isn't working and it's, you know, five o'clock kickoff time on Friday night, that's a different type of stress from (laughs) planning the board meeting and making sure all of your financials are correct. There's always those highs and lows though. So did it change over the pandemic, the amount of stress that was happening? (laughs) Yes. And what a different kind of stress, right? Like I always joke with my team, we're not saving lives. Like everything we do, it's going to be okay. But then the pandemic hit and you're like, We're kind of saving lives. Um, (laughs) It's a little bit different. Um, And because we're global, timing was really important. Things would be happening where it's like, you can't log off at 10 o'clock at night because somebody is online and their government just changed regulations and you have to adapt to it. That was very energizing because you felt how important and critical communications was. I felt a lot of purpose in those moments. I think that we can all relate to going through the stress of a global pandemic. There are some stressors and situations that are pretty universal. But the thing about mental health is that it's a personal journey. And our lives and our stories are unique to us. Our lives are unpredictable and bring with them stressors that we could never have imagined. In 2022, Haley and her partner faced a harrowing circumstance that no one wants to imagine happening to them. This year, something particularly stressful happened to you. Can you take us through what happened? Yeah. Back in April, um, I miscarried a pregnancy. And I want to take a step to, and like, I recognize this can be a really difficult topic for people to speak to. Um, Anyone who's listening to this, if it's too tender to hear, like, skip ahead. You don't have to listen to this part. Um, I'm not going to like go into details on it much. So in April, I miscarried an early pregnancy and it was pretty traumatic and it actually ended up in me needing surgery. So as you can imagine, that's a pretty stressful, big event. And one thing I didn't realize about miscarriage before having gone through it is that it's not a one-time really bad day. So in my situation in particular, it was... I had ironically messaged my manager the week prior and said like, hey, I'm expecting... I'm really excited about it. Can't wait to let you know more. And then, you know, not but a week later, I messaged him and said, I just had a really bad appointment. Here's what happened. I'm logging off for a little while. Thank you for sharing with us. Um, That's really tough. Were you initially nervous about sharing the news with your team? No, actually. Um, Hmm, That's really nice. Yeah. (laughs) Never in my experience have I brought something up and felt unsupported. My manager was awesome. His name is Anthony. He told me, do whatever you need to do. Like Mm. you don't even need to check in. If you want to work because it's distracting, that's awesome. If you don't want to work because you just need to like curl up on the couch, that's also awesome. Don't worry about anything. We've got you covered. 
And at the time, my team was also planning our biggest event of the year where we were bringing nearly a thousand employees to our headquarters. And this was about six weeks before that event was taking place. Um, so to hear, like, take the time to to be you and to struggle not only with the physicality of what this means, but also mentally what this is going to mean. It just was so meaningful and so impactful for me. These first moments where you're telling people who um, who were originally excited for you, right? Um, and they're responding with such genuine care and treating me like someone would just in, in non-work life, right? That just made all the difference in those moments. In those moments before you've told your best friend or your parents or your siblings. And that, that's something that I'll remember forever. I had no trepidation that my manager was going to react the way that he reacted. I had no doubt in my mind that my team was going to do whatever they felt like they needed mm -hmm. to do to support me. What kind of um, things were in place at your company for support after you had that happen? Yeah. So I was actually dealing with postpartum depression at the time as well. So I had used our company's um, employee assistant program where we had access to six free sessions with a licensed therapist. So I had just reached out to that therapist and had an appointment scheduled for Monday. I found out I miscarried Thursday prior. So I was so fortunate to have a professional I could talk to within days and it wasn't going to cost me anything. And I knew that I would be supported up through, you know, those next six sessions and really get on a solid footing before leaning on our insurance to then cover that. My company also covers um, insurance for all employees. So that was a really important like tactical way my company helped me. We also have employee resource groups. We have a, uh, it's called Her Huddle ERG. And at the time they were researching what type of fertility benefits might work for Huddle. And I reached out and said, hey, this is what's happening to me. If you want to talk about my experience or you want to understand the types of resources that have been beneficial, I would love to do that. And it, it just felt good to have that outlet and to know someone was listening and someone was wanting to, to make sure other women at Huddle had the same experience I had was really important to me. But then just having the culture of treating one another like people first and coworkers second is really what made the biggest difference for me. Yeah, because there's, there's a little bit of a conflict there where it's like, is it about personal responsibility with people regarding their mental health and not the companies? Like there does seem to be sort of like a weird tension when it comes to mental health support in companies. First off, if your employees are burnt out and if it's like a mental health issue, they're not putting forth their best anyways. So you can't separate the two. You can't say like your home life is difficult, but I expect you to perform at work. That's not realistic. I can't turn off and be like, I didn't just have a miscarriage. Like, let's knock out some communications. Yeah, no. It doesn't happen <laughs> that way. The most impactful thing you can do is look at your culture. Are you starting from a leadership level of treating people like humans? Are you responding to the burnout and to the things that are happening in your employees' lives the same way you would respond to your sister? Are you responding with do what you need to do? Are you taking things off their plate? Because again, they're going to be better employees if they can be their whole selves at work. You know, internal comms is like predominantly women. So odds are someone who's listening to this episode right now has gone through what you've gone through. Do you have anything that you would like to share with them? 
I'm so sorry that you have been through this. Um, If you are at the same point I'm at, I would say it gets easier. It doesn't go away. I really hope that you've taken the time for yourself and know that it's okay to feel whatever feelings you have about it. I hope that you've reached out to people in your network. I hope you found the support that you need. And if you haven't, please know you deserve it. It's out there and you don't have to be alone in it if you are feeling alone. Um, That's really nice. Yeah. It's not okay, but it, it, it will be okay. Yeah. It doesn't just have to be on you to getting out of the cycle of burnout. Mm-hmm. Your company can do a lot for you. And we as communicators can also take charge of that. And we can be a leader in that space. You're the one who is talking to your full company. Like, what are the words you're using? And if people can recognize that in you, and if you can make a difference in one person's life, that's worth it. You have such a unique position as a communicator to be able to start change. And there's easy things. You don't need a budget to be nice to someone. So you can just do <laughs> I it. I love that. That's a, that's a quote for the episode. You don't need a budget to be nice to someone. I love it. <laughs> it's free. You can just do it. You're listening to Infernal Communication, a podcast brought to you by Staffbase, where we dive into the deeper conversations happening behind some of the biggest comms problems and puzzles that impact organizations and beyond. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure you follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. If you like the show and you want me to keep my job, please leave us a review and let us know what you think. You can also check out the show on our website by going to infernocommunication.com. One of the most annoying things about managing our mental health is that it can't really be helped or managed without an honest conversation about what's going on. One person who isn't afraid to have an honest conversation about how she really feels is our guest, Tanji Renee. Is lighting okay? I went with natural light, but I could like. Your turn lighting is on. great. <laughs> like when you came in, I was like, damn. <laughs> Tangia does a lot. She's founded at least five companies in multiple industries. She's been a campaign consultant, an organizer. That did all of the crisis comms, that did all of the media training and and everything. Served on board of directors, and she sunk her teeth into her own PR and communications consultancy. Nowadays, she's busy being the co-founder of BIPOC Podcast Creators, an organization that connects podcast creators of color with opportunities in the industry. All while she hosts the successful That's What She Did podcast. So let's make a list of the things you don't do. (laughs) First, I want to talk about how we really feel. So (laughs) earlier this year, the Center for Strategic Communication Excellence, uh, CSCE, put out a study called The State of Mental Well-Being in the Communication Profession. So in a study, there's a lot of interesting data. I'll link it on our page so you can find it. Um, In the study, one stat was particularly unsettling. Um, It said that 48%, that's nearly half of communication and PR professionals, have considered leaving the profession because of their mental well-being. So first, does that stat actually surprise you? No, that tracks. It tracks. Um, it can be very stressful. You know, what is what are the the different elements of the work you're doing? I can tell you from when I did campaigning, 
you know, when you're a campaign director, you're in charge of a the majority of the comms. So you have to handle it all. It becomes very stressful. A lot is riding on your shoulders in in many roles. Um, So if you're an in-house comms person, you might be responsible for not just the marketing messaging and like the brand management, the crisis communications, the internal comms um, within the team, anything that goes wrong within customer service, communicating those messages out. There can be so many layers of things coming at you at one time. Yeah, it gets, it can be, it can be quite overwhelming, especially if you don't have help. Mm-hmm. And a lot of comms people don't. Yeah. One of the things that surprised me about this report was it was done over the pandemic. So it seems intuitive that, yes, over the pandemic, people who are in communications have had to communicate some really hard, complicated things. They've had to combat misinformation. Organizational communicators have had to try and keep people safe and communicate layoffs. Like it's just been one thing after another. But it sounds like you're saying that this is par for the course. It was always kind of stressful. Oh, always. There's a a study out there and I cannot remember off the top of my head and it's the one where they do like, what are the most stressful jobs in America? Mm. They, they do this every few years. Publicist is always like in the top 10 of that list, no matter what's happening in the world. It's always <laughs> up there. So you're comms people, yeah. right? So somebody might not be like the official title of a publicist, but if you're in comms, that's what you're doing. The communicating of the message is falls on your shoulders and anything goes wrong. I mean, somebody could have died. There could have been somebody arrested within your organization. Something happened on social media and you have to respond quickly and there's so much pressure to get it right. I mean, just think of like Pepsi, that that infamous Pepsi commercial with one of the Jenners. I don't remember which one. One of the Jenners. And it was like... The tall... Well, no, they're yeah. mostly tall. I was going to say tall the tall one. one. <laughs> I think they're, they're all kind of tall. But, you know, you know the co- whoever was managing that message probably got fired, honestly. Yeah. Like, that, was, that was a huge thing, right? That it was such a misfire. Yeah. And there was probably one person that got fired, even though it, it probably wasn't their fault. It was an entire team that greenlit that and it went through various stages of green lighting and vetting before it actually made it to an actual commercial that people were like, what the heck is this? So I, I do want to get into your experience with burnout. Take us through that experience. The first time that I experienced like real true burnout that actually frightened me was like around 2013-ish. And I was I was doing campaigns then. I had just finished my master's degree as well. So I was doing all of this work. And that was the time that I got really sick. I was getting a respiratory infection over and over and over again. And I was breaking out in hives on my hands and feet. And I I had gained a lot of weight and I couldn't figure out why because like my habits hadn't really changed. Like I went to a bunch of doctors and nobody could help me. They were basically telling me it was all in my head. Mm. And I was like, okay. It's not helpful. The hives are not in my head. Like, <laughs> <Look>. Other people <laughs> can see them. <laughs> right? I eventually end up in this doctor's office, like super old school. And I was like, oh, great. This is like another doctor is going to tell me that I'm. it's all in my head. And he looks at me, looks at my chart and he goes... You know what the problem is here. And he goes, you. He said, you, you are the problem. You're stressed. He said, you need a vacation. He was like, I could I could give you pills, but you, what you need is a vacation. You work too much. Look, the, the hives are going to go away when you get some rest. 
the weight is going to go down when you start taking better care of yourself. And he was like, you're too stressed. Wow. And it just like sort of stopped me in my tracks. I was shocked because no one had even suggested to me at that point, any of the doctors, that maybe I was just stressed and maybe I needed to take a break. So I go home. I tell my husband about it. And he was like, yeah, 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 finally, finally, somebody is is talking sense to you. What is your advice for folks in comms uh, when it comes to protecting and maintaining their mental health? Well, you can't live for your work. And I realize it's really hard not to get sucked into whatever is happening. Like there's always some kind of drama Uh, There's always some kind of urgent thing, but you really need to think about, is it urgent? Is it really? A lot of what you deal with isn't that urgent. It just feels urgent because the client or the whatever is making it feel that way. So I think what you have to do is you have to create some real boundaries for yourself where it has to be like, okay, like unless like the world is on fire, unless the brand is about to completely fall apart. You know, I, I'm i not taking those calls after a certain time or, you know, having strict boundaries around your time off. When it comes to the weekend, you're with your family and that's that. And scheduling time for vacations way out in advance. You know, like I already know in July I'm taking a long vacation and like I've, I've told everybody like, OK, don't worry, you're going to be supported. I'll have someone from the team take care of you, but I will not be available And it helps, I think, to say that to people like I will not be available. (laughs) You know, having those kind of boundaries is, is what you really need to think about. What is what is going to make you happy in your life and make you feel good and and help you be in a good place with your work and start your year planning off with those things first. That's how I do it now. So at the end of the year, I'm looking at the year ahead and planning things and I'm going, okay, first things first. What are the dates that I know I need to block out for my family? Even if it's tentative, like I don't need to have it confirmed. Block all of that stuff out first and then plan your work around it. I think both of the stories shared by our guests today raise some interesting points. Take Haley, for example. She works with people who support her and for an organization that takes care of its people. Talking about her mental health has allowed her to get the care that she needs and help others who are also struggling. Even in Tangia's story, the first step in improving her mental health was talking about it. But talking about it isn't always easy or straightforward. If you don't feel safe to talk about your mental health at work, that's perfectly reasonable because mental health is still very stigmatized in our society. For example, Being depressed doesn't make you a mass shooter, and being bipolar doesn't make you a bigot. But that's the message that our media is often sending. And therein lies the problem, my friends. We can't say that we need to destigmatize talking about our mental health, but then use mental illness as a way to explain bad behavior or violence. We can't say reach out and get help when we aren't adequately funding or providing access to the right care. We can't say be more open about your mental health if we don't have the internal support or emotional intelligence at our organizations. It's frustrating, but it is changing, and you can help. First, try reflecting on how you're really feeling, because that's half the battle. 
Do you have the support of your organization and colleagues? Are you taking on too much? How can you show others you're a safe person to confide in? And who are the people in your life that you can talk to? Regardless of your answers to these questions, whatever you're feeling, I want you to know it's valid. You have a tough job and it is a wild world out there. It's reasonable for anyone to be having a tough time and you are not alone. But just because your feelings are not unique doesn't mean you don't deserve the support that you need. And just because some folks may have it worse than you doesn't mean your problems aren't worth addressing. And just because talking about your mental health can be scary and complicated doesn't mean that you should suffer in silence. Now, if this episode brought up some feelings for you, that's understandable. There are professionals and people who care who can help. If you or someone you know is in crisis or contemplating ending their life, please seek medical assistance immediately. There are some great resources from the 988 Suicide Crisis and Prevention Hotline, which is available to everyone across the United States by just dialing 988. Or you can visit their website at 988lifeline.org. If you're in Canada, there's a resource called talksuicide.ca with mental health resources and a hotline you can access 24-7 at 1-833-456-4566. And if it's an emergency, please call 911 or your local emergency provider right away. Okay, that was pretty heavy. To lighten the mood, here's some hashtag relatable content that will hopefully make you giggle. I present to you Mercilessly Honest Mondays. Hey, how was your weekend? Oh, great. That's great. Hey, are you two ready for this presentation? Yep. Let's get them. How do you feel today? Never better, man. Great. Great. Really great. What might it be like if we were all a little more honest about how we're feeling on Monday morning? Hey, how was your weekend? I drank to forget about this hellhole and then ate a bucket of chicken standing in front of my open refrigerator. Are you two ready for this presentation? No. Because mama is winging this bitch. <laughs> Today, our guests were Haley Brulette, the senior communications manager at Huddle, Tenjia Renee, co-founder of BIPOC podcast creators and PR consultant. I'm Kyla Sims, and this is Infernal Communication. Brought to you by StaffBase, with production support from JAR Audio. Join us next time when we dive into how to protect yourself and others when you're in the unfortunate position of being the bearer of bad news. The speechwriter's in a unique position. They got to protect the audience. So you have to balance that space between what the speaker wants to talk about and cares about, what the audience needs to hear, and bringing those together so that there's some behavior change or mind change or thought change or something. So that's that's sort of a tricky space. Don't forget to hit follow on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. And if you like today's episode, leave us a review. We would love to know what you think. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>